Hello, and welcome to the Friends Romans Iowans podcast. We are a young adult podcast produced by the Diocese of Des Moines and Iowa Catholic Radio. And I'm your host, Alex Kowski. And I'm your host, Maddie Maher. Welcome to our very first episode of the podcast, which is dedicated to hosting tabletop conversations with Catholics around the diocese. Today, we would like to welcome Bishop William Johnson to our show. Bishop, thank you so much for joining us. It's as exciting, a new adventure here, and you've got me on board. So This yeah. is our inaugural podcast, so we know that because you're on today that people will listen. And we're, <laughs> we're, so, <laughs> it's nice to be used. You, 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 you still think I have street cred after a year? <laughs> I do. We're equally excited and somewhat terrified that people might be tuning into this on this podcast. So we were hoping to get yeah. someone who no one had heard about so they wouldn't even want to listen, but said we chose the most popular guy in Des Moines. Well, yeah, thanks for absolutely. considering me a Catholic still, okay? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I hope, Bishop, with this podcast, if you're okay, we want to talk about just the year as a whole and what okay. a year has been for you as we approach your anniversary of your okay. ordination installation yeah. and what a year I've... it has been. Yeah, you can't make this up in yeah. any way. So if that... you're okay, we're going to get a little nostalgic. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Are there tissues nearby? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I expect you to weep. Um, yeah, I'm meeting with my priest prayer group and my spiritual director later this week, so those are always reflective moments, so yeah. this will prime the pump for that. So, oh, good. Okay. Yeah, we'll get you warmed up. All right. Thank Perfect. you. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we, uh, as we start off here, I want to take you back to that first day. And I think it's, is it the papal nuncio that calls you to yeah, ask it, you? It is. Yeah. Okay. So Archbishop Pierre. So... so I would qualify this as maybe a burning question that I've had for a little while. And this is why we're having this podcast, so I can ask you all my burning questions. Is, no, you so, can't have a loan. <laughs> Thomas More Center. No more money. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, but my question is, so you get that phone call, you hang up the phone. I've heard that you questioned whether or not Pope Francis knew about this. But you hang up the phone, and what, what do you do next? Who do you tell first? Oh my goodness, this is really happening. This is really the nuncio. And uh, oh, and for me, given that I was abroad, as you know, I was in Krakow, Poland. So he thought he was calling me like two o'clock on Saturday afternoon, and mm-hmm. it was more like eight o'clock in the evening, you know. Oh, but wow. uh, so, you know, I was conscious of that. And uh, he gave me permission to call my spiritual director and my archbishop. Okay. okay. I mean, I asked, can I, can I call anybody and talk to them about this and kind of process this over the next 24 hours? And uh, he said, yes, but don't talk to everybody. We do. Yeah. <laughs> because people talk, you know. They call the news. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I did call my spiritual director right away, Monsignor Jim Bard, who's been my spiritual director. He's retired vicar general, college teacher, mm-hmm. president of the college, et cetera, a great wise man. Uh, and he knows me. He knows me inside and out. You know, there's nothing that, you know, no punches pulled there. And so uh, he, he just kind of processed with this with me a little bit, and he was his wise self, but he said, I, I see nothing that would uh, prevent you from saying yes, you know, okay. and that, you know, that this is, but, you know, where are you with this, too? So he's always yeah. good. He puts the question back to you as well. So it was, you know, it wasn't as though, uh, oh, yes, he says, go for it, but that at the same point that he, you know, who loves the church, he's a man of the church, you know, and... And he only wants to, to to do well for the church, and that he would see that I could serve the church in this capacity it meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So it was a kind of qualified green light. And then uh, I waited till the next day. I slept on it, and I did sleep. You know, I mean, I probably prayed a couple rosaries yeah. and kind of you know, talking to the Lord. I didn't 
go right in front of the Blessed Sacrament because, you know, it was just yeah. later. But but then in quality prayer time the next morning, then I called uh, Archbishop Jekylls thinking I was calling him at 8 o'clock in the morning, Iowa time. Uh-huh. So we're into the day the next day. Yeah. Uh, but he, he actually was visiting his mom in California, so it was 6 a.m. Oh. You know? But then Hello. he called me back. Yeah. And he said, you know, this is something that has been going on. And you've been on the list for a while. Oh, that's news, <laughs> you know. Right. And uh um, and he said, I saw no reason to take you off, so he didn't blackball me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice you know, him. it's nice, you know, to get the thumbs down. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, he just, he briefly, and, and then it was also encouraging. And then I took the liberty of calling my good friend, Father Scott Bullock, and we go way back. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did that. He's former seminary rector and pastor in Waterloo. And, uh, he was heading into mass on Sunday yeah. morning and, he says, well, I'll pray about it. And uh, then he called back after Mass. He said, I was just filled with peace during the Mass about this prospect and joy. Okay. So, so then I did call the nuncio back uh, later in the day, and I said yes. And he says, oh, very good, very good. And, uh, and uh, you know, trying to think about a timeline, you yeah. know, where the you know, dates for the announcement and, and what that means. And so we bounced some things back and forth. And I did not ask him. Can I tell anybody else? You yeah. know, so I didn't want to get the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. 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 yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So so uh called my mom eventually, but That's I said, Mom, you can't you can't you can't talk about this yet, you know, and then it was just really uh burning in her heart, you know, because I just I needed the time if I was to talk to my siblings or anything to really kind of work through it with them. And I was in the midst of a very intense period with this Krakow seminar and it was yeah. my week to really be on, you know, masses, mm-hmm. lectures, all the other things. So I just, you know, I said, I gotta wait on this. So, you know, that was Sunday. So come Wednesday, she's like, Can't you tell your uncle <laughs> yeah. so I can talk to somebody yeah, about this because my dad's right. deceased, you know, yeah. and uh she said, your dad would love this, but, Aww. you know, but, yeah. but so I, I did call my uncle retired Monsignor Ralph Symington. And so then the two of them could talk no and, and my uncle said, yeah, I kind of wondered about this because I had to fill out one of those questionnaires, which he's not supposed to acknowledge, but, you know, because oh, so, when you fill out the, the, the inquiry questionnaire, which, you know, apparently a lot of people were, you know, over the previous six months had received these things, you know, and, and, you know, it's a pontifical secret. You can't talk about it. I was it, like, you did know? you want to go to them and be like, hey, man, why didn't you yeah. say anything? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so one of the things in retrospect was that uh, the previous November, I'd put my letter in with the archbishop saying, you know, I've loved my time at Loris, but I'm ready to wind it down uh, in terms of being full-time. I, you know, and I talked to the president of Colin. How about being pastor in Nativity Parish down the street, and then I could be an adjunct? And then when the excitements came out, I didn't, it was like a priest, a very fine priest, Father Andy Upa, was made pastor. And I'm like, well, what am I, chopped liver? <laughs> what am I, chopped liver? Just completely ignored your request. <laughs> and uh, so it turns out this had been in the works, and that's why I wasn't named pastor, because then mm, why put okay. someone in, and then a month later pull them out. You know? Sure, that there makes sense. So that's a long answer to your question. No, that's a great answer. It's, yeah, it's interesting, because I think when we hear somebody being named bishop, I would never think that you'd have to even consider saying yes or no to that. It would almost be like, well, of course he's a priest. Why wouldn't he want to be a bishop? But it is a process that you have to go through and actually consider if you are called to that. Yes. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of what I was doing in that quick 24 hours, you know, those who know me, those who love the Mm -hmm. church, those who are my, you know, micro community, mm-hmm. uh, what are their thoughts about this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because, um, you know, and this is coming to me in a way that this is a call, 
you know, and do yeah. I have a good reason to say no to the call, you know, yeah. How, however aware I am of my own inadequacies and that, you know, I'm a human being with some strengths and weaknesses, et cetera. But, uh, you know, as uh, uh, someone who's been on the faculty of the Krakow Seminary, he's a columnist for National Catholic Register, Father Raymond D'Souza, you know, had a column where he kind of acknowledged me being named, but then he reflected on the fact that now the word is about 30% of priests decline the invitation really to become a bishop. And I think that's maybe a reflection of, you know, the uh, bruises that the church bears, how mm-hmm. much of, you know, the... the uh, scourge of sexual abuse of minors has affected all of us and how that shapes the role and the responsibilities and the the need for healing of trust. And then the other challenges that are there too in in a very mixed culture and contentious Mm -hmm. culture outside the church and inside the church. So, Yeah, not immune to that. And and maybe acts of great humility where some men just say, some priests say, you know, I don't want to... uh, you know, and rub salt in the wound. I don't know. You know, who knows? In a way, you know, I can't can, speculate. Yeah, I appreciate the yes and the no because it just shows how seriously the question is taken and what a, you know, you know more than anyone how your life changes after that phone call and how nothing is ever the same, right? So our next question is kind of about your planning of your installation ordination. I remember being down at the diocese uh, in the week prior and it was everything was just a buzz and I remember they were coordinating your family and and getting snacks to them and just mm-hmm. talking about how there was no book for anyone on how you host something like this and so I'd imagine in my mind that you would look back on it something akin to like a wedding um, <laughs> <laughs> like planning a wedding except you didn't know three months prior that you were getting married and <laughs> yeah. and they don't look the same so when you look back on that time, how do you remember it? Is well, I mean, it and I think for the diocese, it's kind of like planning the wedding, but they don't know who the groom is. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. fill in the blank here. You know, who, well, the who, diocese who, had a long time to plan it without knowing right, what Right, with Bishop Pates having be. submitted his letter, and he was so you know, savvy and on top of bringing this process together over all these months because yeah. he, you know, he didn't know and nobody knew yeah. this could be happening tomorrow just, you know, when it came. I and mean, yes, it was more protracted. But, you know, everything really was in order, you know, yeah. and Adam Story had, was tasked with some of the coordination, Sister Dutrit's matter. Everyone had their role. Mm-hmm. And so it was an incredibly comprehensive time that I appreciated more after the fact than, you know, as I'm kind of, wow, in the fishbowl, you know, kind of, yeah. whoa, you know, yeah. and uh, being oriented and, and all that was going on. So I just, you know, the hundreds of hours and, and all that went into that and to pull it off. You'd think the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops would have a playbook, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah, like kind of like Ragbri has their book for towns when we come in. This is what you have to do, you know, <laughs> yeah. and everything else. But uh, I don't think any such thing exists, you know. So Interesting. Yeah. But uh, you, just, you mentioned the wedding thing, if I can interrupt a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. You know, at a certain point, I, I did tease and kind of, you know, give a little pushback with Anne-Marie Cox and Kelly uh-huh. Mesher Collins uh, on the the, uh, the mere commemorative edition, you know, because they oh, were yeah. all these pictures and everything else and baby pictures and everything else. I said, oh, no, this is this is going a little too far. This is not a wedding. This is not a wedding. No, that's valid. <laughs> that's funny. Good. Um, I was going to say it. It definitely was one of the most beautiful masses I've ever been to. It just, you know, and I was even in the back room with the screen. And, oh, you know, yeah. even back there, every looking around, everyone is just in tears. And it was so lovely. So different parts of it stick out to me. But what 
what do you remember the most about that first mass? That uh, massive installation and yeah, ordination. That first yeah. night, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that day. Um, you know, I, I was so comforted to have uh, Bishop Zinkula and Bishop Nicholas mm-hmm. kind of in the holding pen with me, you know, yeah. as we got invested there, one of the whatever, first grade classrooms at St. Francis of Assisi. And then to step <laughs> out as all these priests are processing and, you know, just kind of there and acknowledging them and, you know, I'd come by that point to recognize many of the Des Moines priests, some of whom I knew, but not, you know, everybody, and then Dubuque priests, et cetera, et cetera. And just yeah. that they would be part of this and that, you know, they, you know, the sharing of the priesthood, and now I'm being called into a more intense expression of the priesthood mm-hmm. as a bishop. And so I think, you know, you know, making my way into St. Francis of Assisi Church and, you know, people I knew and, you know, they, they were kind of, like you say, tearing up, but blessing, and you know, but just there was joy bursting yeah, forth too. A lot of and joy that day. you know, how many you know, seventy-five years since the Des Moines Diocese had had a bishop ordained bishop here. I mean, the installation yeah. is the companion to that. Exactly. But when you're not a bishop, that's you know happening. And so, I think you know, when the church does rites only very exceptional moments, you know, there's something that is preserved that's very ancient and traditional mm-hmm. and carries this richness and texture that, you know, you know, not just because we come blasé when we have every day in mass or Sunday mass. And so I think the, the, the power of that ritual, you know, just like Good Friday, we only do that once a year. And yeah. how that preserves that continuity of, of the whole community since Christ came mm-hmm. among us. So there definitely was a different feel to the, the yeah. mass. You could feel a, a I, bigger importance. Yeah. I know? remember feeling like there was just, <laughs> It sounds maybe dramatic, but just this transcendental nature of it that I remember going to bed that night and being reminded that there's more than just my day-to-day life. And it was a real kind of, like, I almost felt like I was a part of the church as a whole in all of history Mm -hmm. that night. It was just a really special, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I mean, and and a lot of people have shared with me, you know, that the— you know, you know, we talk about the, the veil removed, you know, yeah. but that the, the heaven and earth that the kind of yeah. parted open, you know. Some said that they saw a certain point through the clerestory windows at St. Francis, mm-hmm. the, the sun breaking through and a rainbow or whatever, you know. So yeah. I'll try yeah. not to you know, put too much import with that. But <laughs> oh. it was just, you know, how, you know, nature and supernature were mingling in that way. And that we were just kind of lifted up out of ourselves, like exactly. you said. Exactly. You yeah. say it better than I Yeah. And, that. you know, and, and I was so, you know, sometimes, you know, when you ha- you're involved in the liturgies, as you guys have been, you know, um, you're focusing on what you're about, but mm-hmm. you know I was so well cared for by my various handlers and you know, <laughs> Father P. J. McManus, my personal MC. You know yeah. that I could just really enter into the right. You know and how that how the power of those words, the power of the promises, the consecratory prayer. You know with the gospel book over you. You know and kind of like you know you stand under the you kneel under the gospel, mm-hmm. and I'd witnessed this with my friend Bishop Zinkula of. Davenport, and then this was happening to me, and so I, I had a sense of that moment, both from without and within, mm-hmm. and just you know, I, you know, who knows what I was thinking, but I think it was mm-hmm. just being present to a mystery of, of the reality of God, the community of saints, and, and the church, you know. So yeah, well, I look back on that night as one of the more beautiful, even in my life. I can only imagine how you look back on it. Yeah, I think that going to mass, you know, every Sunday we kind of we become very desensitized almost to what is actually happening in the mass and so seeing a different mass happen you can kind of be reminded of 
all the different things that go into making a mask and why they're important, you know, all the different rights and actions and it just made it very more real. And then the next time you go to mass, you're like, oh yeah, this is very important. I shouldn't be glazed over in this moment because this is actually mm-hmm. a beautiful yeah. thing that's happening. I and mean, what a grace spilling over, not only for yeah. those people, for, for the diocese too. You know, yeah. I think that's just, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, to be one cause or occasion of that, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. So, yeah. So I think one of the um, most remembered moments of that night was we knew that you were going to talk for probably five minutes or something like that waiting <laughs> to hear from everyone you. was hoping it was only five minutes so having gone on the we night really before at the vespers how, vigil. what kind of homilist you were in that yeah, moment. Well, but, I, I laid it on the night before at the vespers homily but anyway there that, you go but yeah. it was kind of well it was really the first time that we were going to get to hear from our bishop for the diocese and to get here from our bishop for the first time. And I remember there was two times that I teared up. And I think the first is when you addressed your mom and you told her that she always seemed like she knew what she was doing. And I thought as a mom, like, wow, there's nothing else you could say. But that was the first <laughs> one. And then the second one that I found extremely moving, and I also think that this is one of the reasons it was such a, a beautiful night for just the church as a whole, was your installation ordination came on the heels of a really dark time for the church. I remember mm-hmm. um, in August when we were just wrapping up Catholic Youth Camp, for those of you that don't know, I'm the director out there, in the McCarrick scandal, those files dropped and feeling for the first time just really, I think it was the first time in my adult life where I had felt betrayed and just kind of like it took the wind out of the sails of a really beautiful season. And so coming into your ordination that was kind of the backdrop for i think for a lot of the young church that we were coming out of and Mm -hmm. so one of the things that you did when you first addressed the people of the diocese of des moines is you addressed the young church and i remember you saying that you were sorry for any way that we had felt betrayed or been betrayed and i thought that was so i guess it for me i got emotional because it i realized that it was like you lifted a load that I didn't know that I had. So why was it important to you that you address that in those first five or 10 minutes that you had with the church? <laughs> That's a really good question because I hadn't composed my remarks until that morning. You know? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, I was that in that regard, I was kind of trying to give it over to the spirit and, and yes, I did prepare some remarks, you know, of which I drew from some of that wanting to be brief relatively. Um, and I just thought, you know, who who are the people that we most want to give hope to? Who are the people that we look to to be the future of the diocese? And what will we say? And that, you know, and Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, you know, be not afraid. Be not afraid to call things by their proper name. Name what it is mm-hmm. that, you know, we, you know, the, the cross we bear, but the cross we've sometimes visited upon people too. And so, you know, I didn't want it to be a heavy message, but mm-hmm. at the same point to, to identify and yes, to, to be, to continue that we want to heal trust, mm-hmm. but healing comes when we acknowledge. And then, you know, because I think all of us had felt, all right, 2002, the Dallas charter, sex abuse, you know, all in the two thousands and everything else, maybe we're on the road to healing. Maybe we're beginning to slip beyond some of this, you know, and the the procedures and policies, and then, squish, you know, as you say, you know, McCarrick, oh, my goodness, you know. Mm-hmm. Have we been set back mm-hmm. however many years, you know? It's like, you know, we've just kind of 
pried open this deep wound again, and 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 so our hearts are pierced, and and uh, so young people, we have to do this together. We're in this together, and you are signs of hope to me and to us. And so you know, not afraid of the criticisms that you might level, but as with Pope Francis says, then, but that we then can can go this way together. You know, we're in the in the canoe together. He says at one point, you know, and this. You know, so I was, you know, I was maybe uh, indirectly, you know, referring to his exhortation, Christ Lives. You know, there were a couple of thoughts there that I had adapted and, you know, full, uh, you know, full disclosure on that. But uh, so the, I hope that, that kind of is what you're getting at. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I think you had the nail on the head that I just felt acknowledged in that moment in a way that I didn't know that I needed to. Yeah. Yeah, because it was, I mean, you just took on a job that had been kind of destroyed by this whole scandal. I mean, that's the whole news is this happened because of irresponsible bishops and corrupt bishops. And then you are here in that day, like taking on a job of bishop. And so it was really, it was really reassuring to hear you address it right away. You know, that like, you yeah. know, you understand the, the gravity of this position. And, you know, of course, Bishop Pates, the, the marvelous job he did as shepherd, yeah. you know, he, you know, he was not part of the problem no. in this in any way, you know, I mean, did it such great service. Yeah, so, absolutely. so, I mean, I think, you know, I, you know, I was feeling, you know, I, I don't want to use this word casually, but, you know, violated or that my trust yeah. you know, yeah. took a hit again, you know, and so, um, and yet, okay, this is what I've ever more become identified with, you know, yeah. and uh, so that, you know, Interesting little anecdote is last week, two weeks ago, I think it was, um, you know, went to, uh, maybe it was last week, Archbishop Rosansky's uh, installation as the Archbishop of St. Louis, came from Springfield, Massachusetts. And so I just thought, you know, it's our region. He's kind of the, the primate of the region nine yeah. in the Midwest, you know, uh, and, you know, the historic church in St. Louis. So I went, and there were just a very few protesters out in front of the cathedral in St. Louis. And as I were processing in, I'm kind of looking at it, and I thought I read the signs say, you know, where's the McCarrick report? You know, yeah. where's the McCarrick report? Yeah. And so after the mass is over, unvested, and then you're ready to get on the bus, go back to the hotel, I wasn't trying to be provocative, but I just wanted to go over into the woman of whom I thought this was the sign she was carrying. And I said, you know, we're all waiting for the report too. You know, yeah. we're with you on this, yeah. you know, and this solidarity that we feel. And And her response was, what are you talking about? You know, and it's yeah. like, wait a minute, Oops. you're carrying this sign, you know. Don't look I mean, it up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that's what I read, you know. But yeah. uh, so I think, you know, the Holy Father did promise the Region Nine bishops and all the bishops who made their various ad limina visits to the threshold of Rome, their five year visit, uh, mm -hmm. and ours was in this past January, that we would look to the report being issued this summer, and uh, yeah. here we are, September. So. So I understand the uh, the frustration that people feel, but yeah, you know, as the the institutional human side of this, what's happening that this has gotten caught up? But mm -hmm. you know, does COVID have an impact? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. You know, we know you know people are not able to to interact. Even mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure some of the Vatican is working from home remotely, but maybe yeah. <laughs> some of them haven't made that adjustment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's um are you concerned at all that that will almost reopen the band-aid when that report does come out or do you think it will issue more closure on the situation? Um there will be those who will, you know, certainly 
uh, highlight it and maybe try to capitalize on that if they have uh, antagonism toward the church already. Uh, and I think it'll be us for us who love the church and, and want to, to, again, acknowledge it. Yeah, it may, hopefully, maybe uh, it'll run its course. I mean, certainly McCarrick, or, you know, now Theodore McCarrick, not Cardinal McCarrick yeah. anymore, he has been properly, you know, declericalized, you know, removed from the clerical state, I believe. I Don't misquote me, but, you know, certainly, yeah. you know, he's now living a life of public penance or, you know, and, and things. So uh, what more can we do except, yeah, what kind of institutional mechanisms can we have in place that this would never happen again? And how can we reassure yeah. people that that's the case? Yeah, you know? and I think kudos to Bishop Hayes for the last six months that he was in Des Moines because I think he did a lot locally in our diocese to make sure that those things are in place so that it would never happen again, specifically here. Yeah. yeah. So this is supposed to be a year conversation about your first year, and we haven't gotten past your first night. So <laughs> <laughs> so when you were um, at that first night, at what point, when, when you were thinking about your year to come, did you think the global pandemic would hit? So, <laughs> yeah. Was that yeah. in your top because, 10 concerns? Yeah, because, you know, in the Bishop Formation <laughs> School, the, uh, a.k.a. the BB Bishop School, you know, they had that unit on that. Yeah. No, no the they did not. You know, what I mean, to do in a the pandemic? Only, the only thing that I would have had in recent years was I was a longtime member in, in Dubuque, where I came from at the Unity Point Hospital Ethics Committee. I'd been on that for like 12 years. And one of our meetings was to really address, you know, we had the epidemiologists there, kind of just give us a, an awareness. We're well past the time for pandemic, you know. Interesting. And that, that you know, that the, the statistics were probably, were probably 20 years past the time we were due for one. So, so there was this awareness this is going to happen sometime. Okay. What form will it take? Who knew? But, See, I uh, thought we were like so advanced past the potential for something like this in my naivety honestly yeah. yeah so so you know and then you could see you know january february mm -hmm. so here we go but um yeah that the impact that this would have and how would it you know, affect and turn our, our lives upside down you know in yeah. short order yeah, no, I didn't uh, have a lot of psychic energy yeah. for <laughs> so, being devoted to that. Not your <laughs> you know? top, not your chief concern that no, night. No, no. So I would qualify this as my second burning question for you tonight uh, or today <laughs> is, is I remember a lot of January and February watching the news and I, I don't think it was really in January. Not a lot of people were talking about it, but I remember in February being borderline obsessed with the news about COVID and everything that was going on. And I remember the night, that Saturday night, when we knew that we had community spread. I remember it was I was up late with my husband. We were watching the news. And I remember thinking, okay, like, it's 11 at night. Like, it's here. For the first time, we know that it's here and that it's spreading. All eyes on Bishop Johnson. So I want to know... For, well, thanks for that? that text you sent <laughs> yeah. me, you know. <laughs> you know so I wanted to yeah, give yeah. him a little bit of yeah. a heads up there. Kind of tweeted you or something. So I want to know, what was that night like for you? What was that decision-making yeah. process? Because I knew the next morning it would be a once-in-a-lifetime decision. Do we move forward with masses tomorrow or do we not? Right. Well, <laughs> so your burning question. But, you know, and how I play that in my mind, you know, how could that have been done differently? Where was I not? availing myself of information sources, what, you know, how was I, you know, uh, derelict on duty, if you will. Um, you know, that was my mom's 87th birthday up in Ames. We were celebrating <laughs> with her. I do remember telling her, 
you know, if this continues, I may not see you for months, you know, because this isn't yeah. going to be something where we feel comfortable, you know, my coming into the house and everything else. And so you know, kind of tracking and then, you know, watching uh, one of the news affiliates and they're scrolling, you know, Protestant churches canceling for tomorrow, you know, but no official communication did we receive from the governor yeah. or anything else. And then watched the 10 o'clock news and went to bed, you know, kind of went to bed early and then slept in until 630 in the morning. And lo and behold, you know, Jason Kurth, our chancellor, and Henry Cox were communicating by text and, and everything else. You know, nobody woke me up in the middle of the night and say, go to your bunker, you know, or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, and and so, boom, we got to decide because all, you know, any gatherings over 250 were proscribed. And, uh, you know, well. So we're not going to slice and dice and say, well, you know, if you're in Villisca, you can still have masks because you're not over 250. But it's just, no, we need to make a decision now. We don't want anyone this morning being for infected and mm-hmm. saying, you know, because the, the risks were so grave. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so communication went out. All public masses are hereby suspended. The obligation obviously goes off. And, uh, woo, you know, so we tried to get that word out. Uh, some of the priests out there are trying to... Uh, is this a joke? You know, I mean, because yeah. I think maybe some of them had received that phishing scam oh, yeah. from oh, with my yes. name on it. You know, had gotten burned that here. way. You know, yeah. and so is this another one of those? Somebody's <laughs> hacked Johnson's um, email, or yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So beware of the Ides of March. You know, exactly. yeah. it, it was right around that time. <laughs> you know, but it was kind of that surreal moment of I remember watching it on the TV that morning and being like, "Is this what?" happening like yeah i think we were texting and i go are masses really canceled you're like yes they are i'm I'm like i don't believe it yeah some people were riding to driving to church you know and and then got turned around and and i and i commend the priests because overall they were very responsive you know there was a few places and i understood that maybe many of the first masses of the day would still be celebrated but after that i think you know Mm -hmm. it's kind of we batten down the hatches and and we kind of know how that played out to Great heartache and and, mm-hmm. and and trial and sacrifice from people as we then deliberately tried to make sense of you know what do we do mm-hmm. you know and I think the next few months after that we finally were pretty fully open by June you know certainly mm-hmm. Polk Warren and Dallas counties were among the last you know to, to reopen mm-hmm. yeah um, I would like to talk or have you talk a little bit about like the spiritual side of the COVID shutdown because I know. Um, me personally, it was a very hard spiritual trial, you know, not being able to go to mass, understandably, but you know, you're stuck at home, you can't go to mass, you can't go to confession, all of a sudden, you think, well, I could have time to pray at home, but it becomes much more difficult to do that when you have, you just feel kind of isolated at that point. Um, Did you see that as an issue in any of the spiritual life of the diocese or... Um, definitely no definitely i mean how can we keep communion with each other and how can we feel yes through the electronic media you know the ways the live streaming and other things else but how can we promote enrichment and just you know remind people you know you are not alone god has not forsaken you and that we are experiencing this a desert experience together you know and with the desert come the temptations you know Mm -hmm. that the evil one wants to prey upon our vulnerabilities in many ways you know Uh, Oh, you don't have access to the the font of mercy and confession. You know, you're 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 steeped in your sins and with no way out. You know, why not? 
be like the the Gerasene demoniac and you know throw us into the swine and let's yeah. jump off the cliff here you know yeah. and you know jumping off the cliff becomes a metaphor for some of us it's a temptation you know yeah. like what what's life worth now you know I mean if I can't live my faith or if I can't receive Jesus in the mm-hmm. Eucharist and and I see this is moving you just to talk about this Maddie you know I'm not trying to yeah, call you out here but I mean so you know this is a love affair that people yeah. have exactly. with our Eucharistic Lord. And with that felt sense that we're, we're, we're together, that was one of the things that was the theme of the Bishop's Formation School I went to last September, you know, a church of synodality, a church that accompanies each other. One of the great, you know, themes and notes that Pope Francis hits again and again, mm-hmm. you know, well, you know, okay, you know, kind of, you know, like the derecho, it kind of just blows us away, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and that. And so how do we reach out to each other? How do we keep you know, that solidarity with Mary, drawing her into this, and how can we draw from the great treasury of the church, you know, and the belief that, you know, the church supplies because Jesus has endowed her with the power of the keys to, to liberate us and to, to keep uh, our love enduring. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that sacrifice that we have is not just something imposed that locks us in, but something that we can offer then. You know, and, and homebound and other people who this is their their daily life. You know, yeah. and that now we 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 know something of that yoke in yeah. a way, um, and uh, inflaming our love even more. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean the you know the song of songs. You know, where they where's my beloved? You know, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. that. So so I think people found comfort. You know, ideally without becoming complacent. Mm-hmm. You know, in a, at least being able to hear the word preached and to. People said they were experiencing masses from all over the place, so I think it kind of opened up a little bit of the sense of the universality of the church, yeah, too. it definitely it, did, yeah, that's for sure. I, and it, with the complacency part of it, too, um, I think a lot of people are now almost experiencing the opposite of what we felt at the very beginning when we were so isolated. Now we kind of, you don't want to fall into the, well, I'm distanced, so do I have to go to mass? Or, you know, you're starting to have those struggles of, it was so convenient sometimes not to go to mass and I could just watch it on my TV. And now I'm like, well, I'm healthy. I can go to mass. I have no reason not to. Mm -hmm. So there's, again, I think that another attack happening on the other side of it where you're like, well, you survived without it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. What, what role does mass have with me now? Almost kind of. Yeah. That, that hardship and I guess people at least are, you know, we're getting to that where it's like, well, we can go to mass or we could watch it on TV. You know mm-hmm. that. And where is it not struggle. with sensitivity to the body, but a desensitization, mm-hmm. yes. if you will. And, and yeah, I mean, there always has to be that, I think, you know, that getting over the energy of activation hump, you know, yeah. and kind of, you know, oh, the, the decision to do it. And, yeah. and once we're then on our way, once we're, you know, in motion, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, always laugh you know that for me riding my bike the first 10 miles are the yeah. toughest 10 miles you know after that you know you get into the zone <laughs> yeah. you know but we have to get we have to kind of will to do that we have to decide right mm-hmm. you know they cheater right yeah. that make you have to make a cut with whatever you're exactly. kind of doing and mm-hmm. then say no it's this the one thing you know and uh the most important thing so yeah. um Right, and, and, and I think one of the things we really tried to process as a regathering committee and the, the presbyteral council, the council of priests, and the, some of the pastoral center staff working with some doctor consultants 
is to to mingle faith and reason, mm-hmm. you know, bring mm-hmm. these both together. Yeah. You know, not simply say, you know, science is our ultimate authority in all this. It's an important voice of consult, consultation. But also not in faith to say, well, the Eucharist, you know, give me, give me the Eucharist. Give me the juju here, yeah. you know, however I can get the wafer, you know, however it's dispensed. Yeah. But the sense that, well, it's not a what, it's a who, it's, yeah, it's him. Exactly. But it's also always an act of the living body that, you know, that Christ the head brings us into being, but that Eucharisting is how we, you know, the verb, not just the noun, that we bring both of these dimensions together. And so, you know, there were places in the country where, you know, priests were standing outside handing out Eucharist, you know, and just kind of drive through, drive through. through. I was grateful that as a diocese, we (laughs) didn't end up there. But I, I do think that, and this is, Kudos to you and everyone's work at the diocese. I I did have friends who felt very much not reached out to by their diocese who were not in the diocese of Des Moines. And I can Mm -hmm. say that I felt as separated as we were, I felt like you and the diocese did an amazing job of being present to us in the capacity Mm -hmm. that you were able to be and that I never felt abandoned by any means, that I felt really embraced during a really difficult time. And I think for me, looking back on it now, I, I just I'm I'm so much more affirmed in and my love for just sacrament in general and the efficaciousness of the sacrament and that I I need yeah. sacrament and mine you talk about getting on a bike but for us to go to mass I've got two little kids it's for me it's like putting my kids' shoes on and being like we're gonna do this <laughs> <laughs> we are going and my kids are actually better behaved now because it's <laughs> kind of it, they, they uh, took a break from it and now it, they know it's sacred and holy. Um, oh, well. but, so there's that. There's my yeah, praise God. <laughs> yeah. So, and I will tell you, there was great fear bounded when we went back into the church for the first time with my two little ones. But, mm-hmm. um, so kind of switching gears here, it has been across the board and I, I hate to even bring it up because I know you're saturated with this and every meeting I'm in is saturated with this, but in general, it's been a tough year, um, as in the world. And so we talk about COVID-19, but with all of the civil unrest, and then the, our diocese specifically was just hit with the derecho, and that people have struggled. But I'm just curious for you, rather than like what struggle have you seen, but where have you seen hope or silver lining, or what do you see as the the good that's come out of this, uh, and maybe something that we can look to in the next year with this good that might be born out of this? Well, I think what you're describing, you can identify grace for your own family in this way. And I think I've been able to hear some of those stories, you know, people say, you know, this this peeling away a greater simplicity of life, perhaps, or uh, puncturing the bubble of thinking, oh, you know, I'm in control of my life or whatever, that this has actually been a, a redemptive thing for me. Uh, I also think uh, we, for the most part, trusting and relying on each other even more, you know, mm-hmm. and feeling our spiritual poverty mm-hmm. in this. But the, you know, the great staff that Bishop Pates had assembled and, you know, I, I'm i just kind of one, my style of leadership to empower people, collegial, and to, to want to hear their voice. And and uh, and I think I really felt uh, all the more with, with the staff and, and the, the priests. And I think our, our constant uh, connecting with each other through Zoom, of course, you know, the weekly check-ins, I think we kind of realized our identity as a diocesan church and as a presbyterate together, you know, that it was more vivid, you know, you know, physical distance didn't impede that, but there was a, a kind of spiritual solidarity in that. And, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of people say, you know, 
I think God's doing something now. I think mm-hmm. God's doing something. And so their hope, you know, yeah, it's tough. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the instance of people's fragility, uh, I think we're going to see a lot that we have to do in light of, you know, assistance, support, mental health, and other things. I mean, I think, you know, we're still in that. Yeah. And, and I think uh, how can we be for others, you know, not only in that kind of clinical way, but to, but to realize as church. So, you know, people, I think, are, are pointing to something. They're tenacious in their hope. Uh, but we just have to live through it because, you know, it's kind of like receiving the Eucharist. You don't know what God did at that moment, but in reflection, you know, wow. you know, And then understanding that because I was plugged in to the mystery, then in retrospect, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, in the Old Testament says, how can you tell if the prophet's a real prophet, you know? Well, if what he says comes true, well, thanks a lot. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That so doesn't much. really help me at the time, does it? Yeah. You know, you know, I go with this one or that one. You know, who's the who's the prophet in our age? Mm-hmm. But uh, to keep faithful, and so you know, my my Episcopal motto: seek his face. Thank goodness, you know, the faces that are reflected, and and I must say, you two women are among that mm-hmm. for me. So you know, as people, just women of, just really. Beautiful faith, you know, and, uh, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to have that flame of faith extinguished, you know, or a bushel basket put over you. So, you know. Yeah, it's definitely interesting and beautiful to see that throughout all of this hardship of the year that God is in control and he will take care of us even through, you know, global pandemics and everything else that's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Bishop, are you ready for year two? Like, what's going to come at you <laughs> this year? Well, and, and I, I refer to the, 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 the fragility of people, the agitation, and I think, you know, how this, you know, fed into, you know, the racial, you know, mm-hmm. tension and the, the great conflict that bubbled up again. I mean, I think the underlying issues were there, but it no, was question. fomented by, you know, George Floyd, et cetera, yeah. the, you know, Brown, Brown the Taylor and, and, and others. So, you know, it's kind of like we just, you know, pulled off one layer of skin there, and there it was. Yeah. You know, and then exposed the the body, which is 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 you know below the surface. We're all one, but uh, you know that we would fix on that. And so I think there's great anger uh, that could easily erupt and be translated into you know public displays of violence. Yeah. But that there's something at the core there that we do need to attend to yeah. and can't dismiss. Mm-hmm. You know, and what are we called to? So I mean. I think there have been moments of, 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 of solidarity, you know, standing against racism, and I think our Catholic Christian communities can do something. But I think we always need to be clear who are we and what message are we, mm-hmm. you know, are we standing with, you know. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter in itself, amen. Mm-hmm. But is all that Black Lives Matter represents, I, I have a hard time, you know, sure. putting my uh, voice, my presence, my... Uh, spiritual solidarity behind that yeah of course yeah yeah Yeah, i think the last couple months that's been huge asking myself uh what do i need to what questions do i need to ask myself how do i grow in this way and just there's a vulnerability there i think in society in general that has been really beautiful that has been brought to Mm -hmm. light and it's been a part of just the growth of this year in general but with it so many difficult aspects of that as well that I think we're still waiting through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the old philosopher, you know, I mean, Aristotle and his politics, 
It says revolution, if you look at the word, it means kind of things grinding to a halt, kind of stasis. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we've seen that in some of our occupied zones mm-hmm. and other things that do. So, so evolution is what we want in the, mm-hmm. in the positive spiritual way that disorder then becomes translated into a new more comprehensive order in which all participate, Mm -hmm. you know, and in that way we image the community who is God, you know, in which participation doesn't diminish anyone, but doesn't homogenize them either. Mm -hmm. You know, that diversity, you know, first is predicated on a, on a, on a a sameness identity of our human dignity and, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, our, our valid part in, in existence. So, But then, where you know, where do we go with that, and that the, the great potential each person represents, and how do we continue to nurture that and provide opportunity? I think you know our parochial education. I think we we're there. We're trying to be prophetic in that. But how do our churches continue to do that? And I'm not just saying the Catholic Church, you know, yeah. the Church of Christ, and how yeah, some of our other churches sometimes I think uh, are calling us to conversion mm-hmm. even more. But I don't also. Immediately, I'm sorry if I'm, you know, if you think I'm equivocating in any way, kind of trying to have it both ways, you know. But, but that uh, not everyone who even invokes uh, uh, Jesus necessarily, uh, you know, or invokes their role as a, a member of the clergy, uh, do I feel that, uh, you know, we can uh, wholeheartedly endorse, you know. Yeah. So, so it's a time of purification. Uh, it's a time where I think conversion is needed. But I think also a time where maybe God draws us to a better place as a country. Yeah. yeah. And I, I appreciate you approaching this in the way that you have because it's a difficult thing to talk about and in the, the country's in a difficult place in general with it. And so just even the ability to talk about it and approach it and ask questions is it's wildly important. So, but I, I, uh, I could ask a million questions on that, but we're coming up on an hour mm-hmm. and I, Ooh, I, we're having some fun here. All right. <laughs> I know. We just, <laughs> serious, but I just want to say, I, we're so grateful for you. We're grateful for you being on here, but I, I remember the day that we found out that it was you, that we were getting you after what it felt like <laughs> 10 years of waiting, just really feeling like the Lord had provided for our diocese. And I still feel like that today. So just thank so much for what has been a difficult, but from my perspective, a really beautiful year in our diocese, and there's been so much growth. So thanks so much for yeah, coming on. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, you know, I'm not going to coda, put a coda on that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, how people's receptivity, you know, and it's obviously, you know, they're looking for Jesus. And if, if I'm one profile of that and bringing that and, and representing that as a shepherd, amen, you know, because I think people— People's prayers, you know, it's called me to deeper faith. People's prayers, I feel that every day, and I'm not making that up. And, you know, how do you, you can't, you know, titrate that or, you mm-hmm. know, you know, you know, quantitatively. But I just know so much that this has been lifted up. So, but, uh, okay. yeah, so, yeah, coming up on first year anniversary, we'll have a nice little celebration as a group. I, I thought one nice thing i do, if I can get a plug in here. Please I don't have that. a nice website or a Venmo thing, but, uh, <laughs> uh you know, Johnson account. Uh, no, but <laughs> but uh, I was uh, asked to be kind of a, a kind of lend my profile and do a little clip for uh, the Carlisle St. Vincent de Paul Council, mm-hmm. and uh, and so they they have an annual thing where they kind of do a mini walkathon and everything else. So September twenty seventh, the anniversary of my ordination is uh, St. Vincent de Paul feast. So I thought, well, walking is great, but mm-hmm. can I make uh, my cycling into something here? So I'm going <laughs> to do two fifty milers, and if people okay. want to kind of 
sponsor me at whatever, 10 cents, 25 cents a mile, you know, and we can give a little bit to the St. Vincent de Paul. All all the great work that they do. So, And if you want to do that, I guarantee I'll ride those 100 miles. You can just send it to the Diocese of Des Moines, care of Johnson Cycling or whatever. We'll make sure it gets to the right place. Johnson Cycling. It's a brand. (laughs) Gotta get you a jacket with that on the back of it or something. (laughs) On that note, just thanks again for being with us today. And uh, we'll we'll keep praying for you now that we're headed into year two. Well, we look for great things from both of you on this show and the, the podcast. May it uh, may it flourish and lots of interesting voices. I'm sure ahead. So <laughs> yeah, we're excited for right. it. We're excited the diocese trusted us with this <laughs> this podcast. Oh, that All was right. a no brainer. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. Peace. If you would like to contribute to the Friends of Romans Iowans podcast, we would love to hear questions for future guests or topics or suggestions on guests that you would like us to have on. You can email friendsromansiowans at gmail.com or you can DM us on Facebook and please subscribe and follow along on our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much, guys.